Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by BetMGM. This is the Week 8 college football betting preview. I'm Stucky, and joining me, as always, is Colin Wilson. I might not even waste time asking you how you are. I think we're going to try to get to, like, 30 games today. The Sports Equinox is here, and I get it. But when you're out there making parlays with MLS in it, you're not even mentioning college football. What is MLS? Is that a squash? Major League squash? I don't even know what that is. <laughs> All right. We got a ton to get to. We'll get to Friday Night Lights in just a second. A couple of look-ahead spots. we got five marquee games to get through. I'm going to go f- four games of trash. It is just absolutely loaded. Then we'll go three and out, give favorite bets, underdog money line. Our favorite favorite. But before we do, I want to give a heads up to our listeners out there today. If you weren't aware, baseball playoffs are underway and pretty fun. And that means Action Network's baseball betting podcast, Payoff Pitch, is also well underway with episodes basically every weekday through the World Series, as long as there's a game that day. So if you want to bet some playoff baseball, our crew is awesome. Colin and Zerillo, check out the Payoff Pitch podcast presented by our friends at BetMGM. All right, let's dive right in. Friday Night Lights. Let's hear it, gentlemen. Clear eyes, full hearts. Let's go play some football. There's a Temple game, which I'm gonna we're gonna cover later in the show. So we're just gonna talk about one game here: UAB at Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky. Now, like, I think a one and a half point favorite at home over under 59. I, 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 we talked about this on our new BCS show, comes out every Tuesday. Myself, Colin, and Brett McMurphy talking college football. We both liked UAB. This is basically the quick handicap for me. Western Kentucky does not run it ever, and they can't run it. UAB's weakness on defense is their run day. 
And their strength is their secondary. 12th in EPA per pass, third in pass efficiency. UAB's offense been very good, a little unlucky in turnovers, so maybe some regression is coming there, but they should be able to move it, keep the sticks moving, especially on the ground. Western Kentucky 97th in line yards, 99th in opportunity rate. Western Kentucky's defense is, uh, has holes. So I think basically what this comes down to is the UAB secondary will be able to stop a one of the most pass-friendly offenses in the country. you agree? Absolutely 100% agree. There's a full write-up over at Action Network that I did. Uh, you know, spoiler alert, took UAB. That number is crashing. I wouldn't be surprised if this was more of a pick or minus one. So if you're listening to this, you still see the one and a half or a two out there. I would go and grab it. I back everything that Stuck said, uh, especially UAB. They are an explosive run unit, and Western Kentucky can do nothing about it. And their secondary could hang with a lot of Power 5 teams from a UAB defensive perspective. So Blazers all the way. Yeah, one thing to mention with these lines that are like plus one and a half, I gotta end. I have to price this because I kind of how to do it with a NFL. We have a yeah, we have a we have a big data set, but you know, two you never used to. It's not a key number, but it's more key nowadays. So if I can find like a two and a half and pay a couple extra cents or two a couple extra cents and a one and a half, I gotta find out what the right price is. I haven't done any of the math on it, but because you have to go for two in the second overtime. And then you just trade two point conversion starting in the third overtime. There's go- we've already seen a couple this year, so I got to figure out what the frequency of that is. But just you know, if you have the choice, shop around. And, you know, it's there's a, it's going to happen a lot more often now with games ending too because of the overtime rules than it did in the past. All right, let's move on to our next segment here. Look ahead or look away. Hangovers, sleepers, and the dreaded sandwich spot. Is it time to look ahead or look away? This is, uh, we look at, you know, last week's schedule, the week coming up, see if there's any situational spots worth exploring. Sometimes it's just, hey, team might not be as focused. They might not show a lot. They might take their starters out a little earlier. Ultimately, it comes down to the number of matchup, but these are factors that I consider. Uh, first one, Iowa at Ohio State. Ohio State laying, what, 30, 30 and a half now. Ohio State has been just absolutely rolling. They're scoring touchdowns on uh, 68% of their possessions. They're, the next best is Washington and Tennessee at 50%. And USC, they're right around 50%. Like, <laughs> it's insane. They also have – are they not going to face a top 50 offense until Michigan? Depending on Maryland's quarterback situation, right. they might not. I mean, Maryland's rated in the top 50, but uh, Ohio State has just been playing nobody. They have Penn State on deck. I know Penn State underwhelmed last week against Michigan. Uh, over under 49 here. Uh, I want no part of this game. You got anything here? Well, I mean, there's a big discrepancy in special teams. Iowa has the advantage there. I think if you're watching this game, the one thing you want to consume from a futures perspective is that Iowa is number one in the nation at defending rush explosiveness, and they're fourth in the nation defending pass explosiveness. Their strength of schedule is 40, so we can debate whether they've really faced explosive teams. But if Ohio State is going to put up more than 30 and cover this spread, did they do it with explosive plays? And if they can do it against Iowa, they can do it against anybody else in this conference. So it really kind of, if you're holding an Ohio State ticket like I am, you want to see them defeat this Iowa team by explosive plays. As far as a bet on this game, I would go with an Iowa team total under. 
Uh, I do not think the market or odds makers or anybody has talked about how improved this Ohio State defense is, and <laughs> they're just going to have a field day with a lifeless Iowa offense. Yeah, I would lean under too, but the number has come down too much. I wish I, you know, fifty-one or higher. I was going to grind this game, try to grind this game down to a halt. I doubt their offense does much. You know, Ohio State probably puts up like thirty-eight, and then the, it's a matter of like, does Iowa get to fourteen to put this over? Probably not. It's probably like thirty-eight ten. So the total's come down to where it probably should be. Um, so I probably won't get involved. Another spot m- worth mentioning, UT Martin at Tennessee. Obviously, I have to bring this up because I, Tennessee might still be partying from last week. They have Kentucky on deck, Georgia on the horizon after that. There's no spread out for this game yet. For what it's worth, since 2010, Tennessee Martin is 3-7 and seven against the spread against the SEC. They've lost by an average score of 54 to 12-ish. Pretty much give up 50 every game. Uh, you know, UT Martin's a top 20 FCS team. They're not like a doormat at the FCS level. For reference, they lost, what, 30 to 7 and covered at Boise, but Boise was a mess then. Uh, the, my only angle here is I might look at, you, you know, UT Martin's second half potentially. Tennessee comes out here, big talent mismatch but such a sleepy spot at noon after what happened last week with Kentucky on deck, but they just might be able to score at will. Uh, if they build a big lead at halftime, I'm assuming it's just all the backups in hand it off throughout the second half. There's no reason to risk injury. There's no reason to run this up. Uh, UT Martin, I think is competent enough to at least hang around in the second half. If it's Tennessee's backups, just hand- handing it off. That's all I got there. Anything for you? Yeah, I mean, obviously there's going to be a hangover. I mean, that is one of the best victories that's been in that stadium in decades. But what I can say is we don't have a number in front of us. So I will say that SP Plus makes this game 54-15. So you're looking at about a 38-39 point spread. Saturn makes this game 41.5 with a total of 74. So I would just use those as markers because generally – the people that are pushing this FCS market when they get into these games, they're at low limits and they're pushing them towards SP plus and Sagarin. So keep that in mind, 41 to about 38 and a half on the spread total anywhere between 69 and 79. Although I don't know if Tennessee's coming out and blazing guns and scoring touchdowns in the first quarter of this game, it might be uh, a good like first half under uh, here, but you know, UT Martin can score too. So we'll see. It's, it's all going to be number uh, driven. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to look UT Martin second half if they're getting blown out. Indiana at Rutgers is another one I wanted to mention because I really like Rutgers here. I'm going to end up playing them. Um, they've had 15 days to prepare here. They got a lot healthier. They had a ton of injuries. And this is probably their best shot at a Big Ten win this year. Meanwhile, Indiana's coming off a tough loss against Maryland, and they have Ohio State and Penn State on deck. So heading to you know a noon start in Piscataway against Rutgers, potentially a big flat spot here. I'm assuming Greg Schiano have a few trick plays up his sleeve. He's also 10 and three against the spread in his career as a head coach with more than 10 days between games against FBS opponents covering by 11 points per game. So he's historically been good in this spot. I also like that there's an element of surprise here for Rutgers. They fired their offensive coordinator, Sean Gleason, 10 days ago. So they've had time to, you know, their tight end coach took over probably some new wrinkles here. They'll also likely get uh Wimsett, back to at quarterback he's their most talented quarterback their most mobile they go with this like quarterback platoon i'm assuming you see all three but i think you know having him back a new offensive coordinator 15 days they last played on a friday a couple weeks ago 
to add in some wrinkles. You know, Rutgers love Shanna loves the trick plays. I think this is a good spot to buy Rutgers minus three at home against Indiana. Uh, any thoughts there? No, yeah, I, I think you're right there. I mean, there's a big fundamental difference on defense between these two teams. And Indiana's 111th in tackling. Rutgers is fifth. I mean, one team is playing quality defense, although against a softer schedule than what Indiana is. But this is essentially a bold knockout game. We got one team at three and three, another one at three and four. So I, I expect Rutgers to be much more up for this uh, and everything that you said. So, uh, you know, the one thing that Indiana specialty on defense that they do do well is they limit explosive runs, but that's just not applicable to what Rutgers does on offense. So I'm with you there. I think Rutgers gets the cover. All right. Good stuff there. Little little appetizers cover a few games that might not be the most appetizing, but let's change that and get into the marquee games of the day. It's another fabulous weekend of college football. Let's check out the marquee matchups we'll all end up betting for week eight. All right, so we're going to cover five marquee games, and we'll, we'll, we'll start with a game at noon between a pair of undefeated ACC teams. Number 14, Syracuse, travels to Clemson. Number five in the country, Clemson 7-0, Syracuse 6-0. Clemson favored at 13.5 here, over under 49.5. has come down a little since the Open. You know, I I still I worry a bit about the Cuse rush defense, which I've talked about in the past. Is, is Clemson really just going to be able to get their run game going to set up the pass? I mean, Syracuse is outside the top 100 in rush success rate and EPA per rush. If you look at the Syracuse schedule, they're just, they seem ripe to me. I, they beat Louisville in the opener in, in dominant fashion. Weird things happen in those season opening games. But their other wins came against UConn, UVA by two. That looks worse and worse by the day. Wagner, they a beat up Purdue team, and they should have lost to Purdue. Purdue had an 80% postgame win expectancy. And then they played the NC State backup quarterback. So, yeah, the, all their metrics look great, but who have they really played? Uh, I did go back in the, in that Clemson game, looking at that Clemson-Florida State game. I actually was not as mad about my Florida State play as I was. I mean, Florida State, I think, outgained them by about 100 yards, had opportunities in that game. So I don't know if I want to lay two touchdowns here, um, but I'm not playing Syracuse, I'll tell you that. There's too many questions I have for them. But the, the Clemson defense just – it's missing something, um, which is – I don't know what it's just not as elite and as dominant. And they've had a lot of pieces moving in and out. So maybe it's just like a continuity. Let's get healthy thing. And, you know, last week was the healthiest they've been And Florida state is a good offense, but Florida state was moving the ball at will against them. I think you really like Clemson here. What's uh, what's the handicap. I do. Uh, I don't think the odds makers or the market is caught up to how good Clemson has been or the fact that the defense is improving. And the thing that's been missing from them stuck is health. Like we can point to Wake Forest uh, tearing up the secondary. We can point to Florida State being able to run at will. Uh, you know, these are issues that are being worked out as we are, you know, bringing Brian Barisi in. We're bringing Xavier Thomas in at the edge. Andrew Makuba is, is now playing full-time in the secondary. So those players haven't always been there and they don't have their lungs yet, right? I mean, for them, this is week zero, week one, week two. And so I expect that to be get better and better for Clemson as the time goes on. And when you look at it, they've had three straight covers. Clemson has had three straight covers by a combined eight points against the closing number. So what that tells me is, is this defense is getting better 
And power ratings from the odds makers, they're just a point or two shy of where this team is ending up. And frankly, they, I mean, Florida State had to really work to get within the number uh, at the end of that game. So, you know, this is a number for me that I make at 17. I, I bought it at 13. I would buy it at 13 and a half. I'd probably go real light at 14 once it gets there. And, and I, I think Syracuse should get a lot of credit. Dino Babers should be up for coach of the year. They're already bowl eligible, you know, but the defense is not generating a pass rush. They have a poor line yards and stuff rate number. That means Clemson, specifically Will Shipley and DJ uh, Uyunglele is going to be able to hit gaps all day on the 3-3-5 defense. Keep this in mind as Syracuse keeps progressing. Garrett Schrader is getting worse. Since week three against Purdue, that, that crazy game that they had there, Garrett Schrader has produced only four big-time throws and seven turnover-worthy plays. His numbers are severely heavy. And he did nothing in that Purdue game until like the prevent at the end. Like yeah. their offense was doing nothing. His numbers are severely going in the wrong direction. And what's crazy about it? is his pressures are getting less game by game. I could easily see this be a Clemson 15, 14, 16 point win, play it accordingly, but we're riding the Tigers all the way to the college football playoff. So you are. Uh, Speaking of Tigers, let's move on to the 330 CBS game. LSU is taking on undefeated Ole Miss. LSU afternoon game in Death Valley, two-point favorite. This I think they opened as a two, two-and-a-half-point underdog when – Openers came out. I was tweeting a home dog, a hammer, hammer spot. Total 66 and a half here. Maybe we'll get another amazing shootout in the 330 CBS slot like we did last week with Tennessee, Alabama. Believe it or not, LSU moves into a share of first place in the SEC West with a win. Uh, look, to me, we just talked about strength of schedule disparity. This is one of those games. Um, I, LSU's faced three teams currently ranked inside my top 20 of the power ratings. Ole Miss has faced zero. Their best win was against Kentucky at home by three, thanks to a couple late Kentucky fumbles. Uh, I think from a matchup perspective here, LSU's defensive line can create enough negative plays to contain the Ole Miss offense. So they'll get their points. And then on the other side of the ball, LSU's offensive line should control the line of scrimmage. They'll get their ground game going. And then most importantly, they can build on the passing attack that we saw last week. we Heard Brian Kelly clamoring for deep shots, being more aggressive. Well, what happened last week? After only throwing 18 passes of 15-plus yards over the first five games, just throwing, he only attempted 18 over the first five games, Jane Daniels completed eight of over 15 yards in the first half alone last week. Also, Keishon Butte got going. He had 115 receiving yards. He only had 130 over the first five weeks combined. So I love what I saw from the LSU offense. And then just this Ole Miss team, look at their schedule, and all of their results just have not – I have not been impressed with them. Their running game has been really good, but I still don't really love this passing attack, and that's really how you can attack this LSU secondary. I think the the weakness of the LSU team is still their secondary. bunch of new guys – Last week, I was on LSU against Florida because I said Florida can't really take advantage. I don't think Ole Miss will be able to on the road here. And for what it's worth, Brian Kelly, since 2005, 36-14-2 against the spread. That's 72% as an underdog or favored of less than a field goal. 36-14-2 against the spread. That makes him the most profitable coach in college football in that scenario since 2005. So yeah, I think LSU, anything under a field goal is good here. 
I think this Ole Miss team is overrated. What has been impressive about Ole Miss so far this year? Even some of their results against group of five teams, big time come back down the earth moment for Ole Miss and LSU takes care of business at home. Do you agree? I do. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, I sat on this podcast and made a big case against Tennessee, and then they come out and give up field position on the wrong side of the field. They got fumbles, they got special teams errors. And Brian Kelly really mentioned it this week in his presser. He's saying, we are just way too inconsistent. Jaden Daniels is way too inconsistent. Like he had a great day, he torched Florida, right? But he didn't torch Tennessee. Like it's just, it's a very inconsistent team. But when they play at their peak, uh, there's a reason why they, you know, are are going to cause stir up some trouble here in the SEC West. But I think from a health- but you also, wouldn't you expect them to be, you know, we're in week seven now, or game seven, week eight, Brian Kelly, new regime, a lot of new parts. I think it's fair to assume that the consistency will get better as the season progresses, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I said after that Florida State loss in, in week one that this will be the worst game that LSU ever plays. But then again, I didn't know that they were going to punt the ball over the field against Tennessee. But, you know, they should get better. The consistency should get better with getting to know your coaches, getting to know your fellow players, all that good stuff. And you know what? Their strength of the schedule is seventh. I mean, it has not been an easy route for LSU whatsoever up to this point. Their drops are decreasing each game. Uh, That's been very important. They had four against Auburn, three against Tennessee, just one against Florida. But the key to beating Ole Miss is stopping the rush. And LSU has given up a ton of yards on the ground. Tennessee averaged over six yards per carry. And Florida rushers, not named Anthony Richardson, ran for over 100 yards last week. So the difference is they are one of the best top 25 in defensive finishing drives. They really stiffen up when it gets down around the red zone. I think Ole Miss has not been tested by a dual threat quarterback at all. I think it's one place they can get easily exposed here by Jaden Daniels. So LSU, I got it cheap on the money line. I would, again, I don't know what your rules are stuck. Like I would buy it to 135, 130 on a money line. I don't know if I want to deal with two and a half. I have minus one and a half. Yeah, I don't mind the money line. You can even find a minus 130 out there. I think LSU wins this game. I would also play it up to up to two, two and a half. But if you prefer the money line, don't mind that at all. Go Tigers. It's going to be on. There's no question about that. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our next marquee game of the day. And we're going to head out west to the Pac-12. This is also at 3.30 on Fox. This is like last week. You got the 3.30 SEC potential shootout. And then, you know, the, the TCU Oklahoma State. Well, in this, this case, it'll be UCLA, Oregon. Oregon is a six-point home favorite over-under. 70 and a half. Uh, I'll, I'm assuming you might, you might pimp the over. I, I can't, would not play the under, even though totals in the 70s unders have done really well because it can, you, you can't have anything go wrong. It's kind of like a NFL total. It's 54. Like what happened with the Bills and Chiefs game, like red zone turnover, red zone turnover. Good night. You're done. Right. So like if that happens in early on in Oregon, you can bet live bet the over, but you might be done, but there, there should be a ton of points in this game. Both teams, if you just look from a metric standpoint on offense, are top 10 units across the board. Bo Nix has been tremendous. Bo Nix season in full effect. It's also home Bo Nix. I feel like we haven't got Bo Nix drops in a while. So the question is, is UCLA ready for this test? I was, we were, look, I was on UCLA against Washington. I was on UCLA, so were you, and I get, we were on UCLA against Utah, 
But I do think that the Oregon defense, well, it does have some holes in the back end, has more talent than both. Like the Washington defense was exposed, and we knew that was going to happen. And then Utah's defense also has major issues. Both teams also struggle. Their fronts, their defensive fronts, are not as strong as Oregon's. I don't think UCLA is going to be able to run it successfully here. So it's going to come down to what can DTR do with his legs, like his scramble ability, and then can he keep up through the air? Just everywhere you look, all the offensive metrics are elite. Like, it's trying to crack, all right, who's played a better schedule? Like, we saw Oregon play Georgia. They got flown out, but they moved the ball. Like, their success rate was really high, which was really promising. And it was, like, the first game with Bo Nix and the new coaching staff. So I'll get your thoughts on it first, and then I'll respond. Listen, How do you break think- this one down? I think you're going to be able to print this box score off on Saturday night and and laminate it and stick that shit in the Smithsonian. Uh, th- this is the most unbelievable offensive, like heavy stats I've ever seen. So let me give and you- And they're one- fast. And they're fast. Yeah. And they're fast. I mean, 23.6 seconds per play for UCLA. Let me give you the reasons why. And, and hey, Colin doesn't like to play overs in the 70s, but let me give you reasons why I think we should. First off- DTR is going to have zero pressure. The Oregon defense is outside the top 100 in pass rush. Clean pocket. UCLA is sixth in standard down success rate. What does that mean? They're always ahead of schedule. They're always close to a first down. The Oregon defense is outside the top 100 in defending the pass, which means that play action that's getting set up the whole time for DTR to his tight ends is it's just it's going to be there all day. Oregon is 129th in third down defense. They're only better than Colorado and Florida on third downs on defense. They can't stop anybody. Uh, you go to the other side of the ball. Bonix will have zero pass rush. Oregon is the best offense in the nation in pass blocking. Uh, I think they've so, only given up like two sacks all year. Yeah. Oregon is number one nationally. I said standard down success rate. UCLA was sixth. Oregon's number one. UCLA is outside the top 75 in defensive success rate. So Oregon's going to move the chains at an extreme pace. Neither of these defenses cause any havoc. And both of these teams have massive edges and offensive finishing drives. As a matter of fact, the Ducks are 123rd and defensive finishing drives. You cross the 40-yard line in this game, you get six points. Really, it's who can stop the other at the 50-yard line. But So we can, we can bet this over, over seven and a half? I, I bet it. That's I bet the way I was leaning. Yeah, I mean, so the, and let's let's be realistic here, right? So I mean, this, will both teams get the thirty-five? I think that's fair. How do they yeah. not? And so I, I think you know it would just be flukes. And I also expect both teams to be aggressive on fourth downs. Like it's just going to be pressing, and then you're not going to get like fifty at the fifty. We're going to punt it, um, yeah. and then try to pin. Like it's just you know fourth and five. It's going to be let's go for it. And I think both coaches understand that um, the scramble ability of both quarterbacks against these defenses is massive. The Oregon offense, I think people don't know just how good it is yet. And UCLA's offense is all they've done is pass every test. And I've talked about DTR is a different player this year. And the market still doesn't know, I don't think, how good UCLA's offense is. So I was leaning over. I've always just shy to bet over 70 and a half. Anything in the 70s, it's like 70% to the under over the past five years. But, you know, it's low 70s here. And I agree. I think all the ingredients are here. And it'll be damn fun. Who's calling this? Who's calling this game? Gus Johnson? Is Gus Johnson calling this game? I'm going to bet the over right now if he is. Whoa! College football! Unbelievable! 
there's going to be so much offense in this game. Like a third down stop is like spotting Sasquatch for you Pacific Northwest people. Know what your key numbers are because if for some reason, you know, Chip Kelly or Dan Lanning go for it on fourth down and they don't get it and you may want to hit a live number, 69 would be the one I'd look for. But yeah, over 70 and a half, over 71. Just All right, I'm betting, I'm betting the total. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Oh, thank you. That's exactly the response I'm looking for. Good stuff there. That game, and we'll talk about more about that game on the Big Bets on Campus live, 10.30 a.m. Eastern on Twitter. Make sure you check that out. All right, let's move on to the next marquee game of the day. It's a lot of agreement. Let's disagree. Texas at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State, six-point home underdog, total 60 and a half. You hear these totals, NFL? 60, 70. Scoring epidemic in the NFL, not in college football. So I let you, but you want to build the case for your boy Spence, or do you want me to go and then you, you? Okay, you know what? I will make a case for Spencer Sanders. All right, the number open Texas minus one. It's up to six and a half. Right, that number. Can you is... say? Can you say my boy Spencer? Can you say that? I don't know. It's Oklahoma no, State. No. I won't make you do that. I won't make you do really that. Close to Stillwater. I don't want any, any of that trash coming in my front door. You know, Spencer Sanders. He might play. He might not. And if he does, he might be limited. Right. He got that Tony Romo Toradol shot before the game last week, and he was excellent in the first half. And then he couldn't throw it deep in the second half. My question to everybody is, what the hell does that matter? Texas doesn't give up long passes anyways. It's not like we've taken a big weapon away. Texas has only given up five passes beyond 30 yards this season. That's a top 10 number. That defense excels at not giving up long, deep passes. So when you see Spencer Sanders overthrow, underthrow, his wide receivers against TCU. Do you know why they did that against TCU? Because they're outside the top 100 in defending the pass. Believe it or not, they're 128th, and I think in pass explosiveness, defending pass explosiveness. So Spencer Sanders had to take shots downfield because that was the weakness of TCU. It's just not the game plan against Texas's defense. Now, where can you attack the Texas defense? You can attack them short, zero to ten yards. They give up more first downs than just about anybody in FBS to the pass. And that's all on zero to 10 stuff. So go look at Spencer Sanders throwing chart from last week against TCU four or four from behind the line of scrimmage, eight of nine from zero to 10, four of 18, every pass went beyond 10 yards. I guarantee you they are not going to go deep on Texas. You can run the ball against Texas and you can pass from zero to 10 on them all day. So I expect Sanders to be fine in the first half, similar to last week. If I'm getting a little uncomfortable thinking the shot's going to wear off, then I might buy out of it. Uh, But, you know, I don't disagree that this Texas offense is going to have their way going up and down the field. I wrote this up for Action Network. It says explicitly at the bottom, Texas team total over 32 and a half. Uh, I don't think they're going to have any problems scoring here. You know, Oklahoma State at six or better has value because that is already factored in that Sanders is not playing and Gunnar Gundy is going to play. By the way, Gunnar Gundy can throw it down the field. So, but why would you? Like I said, it's not in the game plan against Texas. Um, But, you know, the Longhorns are going to have their day on offense. They have the best success rate numbers on offense in all of the Big 12. And their strength of schedule is third in the nation. So what they've done, they've done against really quality opponents. Uh, And they've had hurt quarterbacks. And they've had her quarterback. So I will, you know, step aside and let you plead the case about why someone should buy in on Texas at this number. But I think once you see Spencer Sanders on the field, say 2 p.m. Eastern warming up and he gets his shot, you're going to see this number crash probably down to three and a half or four, maybe four and a half. Right. Uh, I just why would you buy this at Texas minus six? I, I wouldn't touch this number right now. 
I might buy a little bit now just in case like Spencer Sanders gets ruled out or anything. And I'll try to, we'll try to get some news, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to wait if it's still, if it looks like he's trending to play, I'll wait. I, I like Texas anything under seven. Spencer Sanders is clearly not right. He can't throw it deep. There's also 25 mile an hour winds here. here guess what? Oklahoma state can't run the ball and you can't run the ball in Texas this year. Guess who can run the ball? Texas best running back in the country. And Oklahoma State's defense is just atrocious all across the board. And I went back. I was actually like, oh, I shouldn't have played TCU. I went back, looked at the box where TCU was way better. And TCU's defense is worlds worse than Texas. Texas defense, the most improved defense in the country by a country mile. And the Oklahoma State can't run it. They can't defend the run. Texas can run it. They can defend the run. Also, Texas has better receivers, a better quarterback, and they're going up against a worse pass defense. Oklahoma State's pass defense, like 95th EPA per pass. I mean, it is just their defense is bad across the board. I don't think the market just knows just how bad this Oklahoma State defense is. We talked about it before the year. Their metrics were all bad against a soft schedule. Texas had the much tougher schedule, by the way. Yeah, I think Texas is going to be able to move the ball at will. I don't care how windy it gets. Bijan Robinson is going to go bananas. Good luck to Spencer Sanders trying to throw eight-yard passes and 20-mile-an-hour wins. I know that Texas has been vulnerable there. They're going to bring their safeties up here, and they're going to dare Spencer Sanders to throw it deep, and I don't think he can, and I think Texas rolls here. Third best team in the country right now in my power ratings is Texas. It's not just like number. Like I've had to say, like, okay, this is what they look like with yours, but this is their defense, and this is another reason to expand the college football playoff. You have a quarterback injury against Alabama and you lose by one and you have a couple of fumbles to Texas tech when you were with your backup quarterback and you lose in a fluky fashion. No doubt. Your, their college ball playoff shot is probably done. They would need mass casts to get there. And by the end of the year, they might be one of the three or four best teams in the country. So to everyone who says like, Oh, the best teams always get in anyway. It's not necessarily true. They'd be oh, favor- I'd favor over Michigan. I favor them over Clemson, Texas, I promise you, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, whoever else gets in, by the end of the year, they're going to say, give me Clemson. Thank God I don't have to play Texas. You're right. Oklahoma State's defense is not going to be able to stop Texas from scoring. Another factor, Texas, unluckiest team in the country in field position. Oklahoma State, the luckiest so far. Expect that to change. Some aggression coming this way. Hook them, hook them horns. All right, before we continue... As a reminder, the Big Bets on Campus podcast is proudly presented by BetMGM. So kick off the new pro football season with the king of sportsbooks. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION200 and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 years or older to wager, 19 or older in Ontario. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico, call 877 8 
Hope NY or text Hope NY in New York. Call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 800-889-9789 or 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Ohio, and Utah and other states were prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. All right, uh, let's move on to our final marquee game of the day. We're going to stay in the Big 12, and we're going to go to prime time. Kansas State at TCU. TCU's a three-and-a-half-point favorite here, over under 54. Look, these are two undefeated teams in the Big 12. This game will have massive implications for who gets to the title game. I played Kansas State plus three-and-a-half, which is still available out there. It's a great spot, number one. Right, you're, Kansas State's coming off of a bye. TCU's coming off... They played their rival in the Iron Iron Skillet Bowl, whatever, against SMU, and then three ranked teams. And I've talked about the TCU defense. I think that there's major holes, and I don't think that the metrics, their defensive metrics, actually illustrate some of the holes in their defense. Because take a look at who they just played. They played three ranked teams, right? Who did who did they beat? Oklahoma State. Spencer Sanders deteriorated because of his injury in the second half. It was clear. Oklahoma. They almost murdered Dylan Gabriel in the first quarter, or I think early second quarter, and he was out for the game. And then you had a literal pumpkin come in at quarterback. Their other win against a ranked team, Kansas, Daniels gets hurt. So they played three ranked teams in a row. The starting quarterback is either hurt or got hurt in all three. And they still were in absolute shootouts. So I think that this defense has holes. I think Kansas State can exploit some of these holes. I also think Kansas State, yeah, just on the ground, Deuce Vaughn is going to be able to get yardage and keep the sticks moving. And then K- Kansas State's top 20 defense across the board, no matter what metric you look at, most importantly, top 10 against the pass. Um, so I think big Deuce Vaughn game, great spot, just a situational spot. It's going to be close. TCU, I don't think TCU is really capable – of blowing out these like top tier teams because their defense is just not going to get stops. So it'll probably be back and forth throughout. So I'll gladly take the three and a half 20 mile an hour wins. I think that favors Kansas state as well. So I'll take the hook here. I think TCU might run out of gas. The defense is going to be exposed as long as Adrian Martinez doesn't get hurt. TCU has been benefiting from QB injuries all year. Give me the Wildcats email. Uh, this is sort of a. You're going to fade your babies? These are your babies. Are you fade, you're, I, you'd I, have to fade I, one of your babies. I got TCU tickets all over the house. I got a couple of Kansas State 14 to 1s around here somewhere, and I've got to take inventory and just hope that nobody gets hurt in this game. If you're going to bet Kansas State to win, and, and I think stuck where I'm where I'm at is like, are we going to put Kansas State in the in the money line round robin parlay this weekend? And for Chris Kleiman, to, he's got to call a perfect game. And he's got to beat TCU by keeping that offense off the field. He's got to keep Max Duggan and Quentin Johnson off the field because Kansas State against the pass is not very good at all. So you need Deuce Vaughn, Adrian Martinez to run all day. They need to ugly it up in the trench because TCU is 105th in defensive stuff rate. And they let Oklahoma State look like a decent run game, which is not true. And you have to wonder, how did Kansas keep it a one-possession game against the Horned Frogs the entire time? They choked 34 minutes off the clock. They averaged five yards per carry. Uh, And Kansas State has the numbers and line yards and stuff rate to do the exact same thing on offense. So the issue with the Wildcats on defense is allowing explosives. 
The horned frogs, of course, are top 20 on ground, air. They can pick your pick your poison. They can hit you either way. But Kansas State has really struggled on the second level when it comes to pass catchers that are loose and trying to tackle in space. Um, you know, against Iowa State and Texas Tech, Kansas State allowed less than 10 missed tackles. But before that, when you had superior like in-space athletes for Oklahoma and Tulane, uh, those were there were more than a dozen missed tackles. So I think that is the big worry. Kansas State needs to hog the ball. They need to make sure that they don't give up anything in the air to Max Duggan, which is going to be tough. Uh, but they're going to have to win in the trench. They're going to have to just play a bruising game. Uh, at three, from a market perspective, the number has moved a little bit too far. I think it should be TCU minus five, and you saw it come in heavy on Kansas State. Now it's down to three and a half. The next move at a couple of the shops that I trust and looking at their movement is probably back to three. It's probably going to touch three and bounce. So, you know, if you like Kansas State, I'd probably go ahead and scoop a three and a half. And if you like TCU, probably just wait it out. I agree. The other thing is TCU's offense looks really good, and they are really good. But they – I just said the three teams that they beat, the three ranked teams, who all had quarterback injuries. Oklahoma State, yeah, defense stinks. Oklahoma, defense stinks. Kansas, yep. defense stinks. This Kansas State defense is by far the best defense that they'll face. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of things working in the situational spot as well in Kansas State's yeah. favor. Happily take the three and a half here. All right, let's move on to the rundown. We'll go through six games fairly quickly here. I'll start off with uh, SMU plus three. I like SMU here. I'm selling Cincinnati. Look, Cincinnati started out one one They lost to Arkansas. They beat an FCS team. They're in a battle with Tulsa, despite getting an early pick six. They let a bad Indiana team back in the game. You know, they extended that late. Miami of Ohio's backup. They played Miami of Ohio's backup quarterback. They eventually pulled away, but it was ugly. And then South Florida in Cincy led in the fourth quarter. And Cincinnati eventually, you know, got a stop on the fourth down at the goal line and got, got the run out the clock. Ugly. There are holes in this team, and they've been getting lucky. They've recovered eight of 12 fumbles. They've converted five of seven fourth downs. Their opponents, one of 11 on fourth down. And these have been, like, important fourth down swings. That's an FBS low 9% conversion rate. Opponents are 9% on fourth down against Cincy. In contrast, opponents are 11 of 18 against SMU. SMU's also played the much tougher schedule theme of this podcast. They played three top 40 teams in my power ratings, Maryland, UCF, TCU. Cincinnati's faced one above average team nationally. That's it. They haven't played anyone and they've shown holes. SMU, I have a top, I have 45th strength of schedule. Cincinnati's 110th. This will be the best aerial attack that Cincinnati's seen all year. And I think this is where you see the impact of the loss of Sauce Gardner, who's just killing it in the NFL, two other pros that they lost in the secondary. Look, Cincinnati's defense, the best part about the Cincinnati's team, this team, and by the way, they have injuries, to wide receiver, running back, and quarterback. We'll see. They, they are coming off of a bye. But Cincinnati's defense is elite at getting to the quarterback. Third nationally in sack rate. SMU's offense is 13th because they get rid of the ball so quick. So you kind of neutralize that strength. The SMU defense, 32nd in sack rate. They might actually have the bigger impact here against – they're really aggressive. So they have holes, obviously. They're not great against the run. But Cincinnati hasn't been running the ball well. Cincinnati's offensive line, 98th in sack rate. So I think SMU will have some, a chance. Defense is bad. But they'll have a chance to create some negative plays here. I think they're going to be able to move the ball. I think since he's right, and I think SMU's going to pick him off, I'll take the three at home. 
Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to be against you. I'm having a hard time with this case on SMU. And as we talk about this, literally two of the sharper shops taking this thing down to three off of three and a half. So I understand the spot it being a, a very popular underdog home spot here. But the air raid from Rhett Lashley, you know, I mean, going into 15 mile an hour winds, there's just things about this team that make me uncomfortable. Like what the hell happened with Navy? How were they able to get back into that game? SMU should have had that thing wrapped up. Well, explain since he almost losing the South Florida at home. I mean, true. So, I mean, we're, we're in the group of five here, but the, the better ground game in this matchup is Cincinnati. Uh, they're 10th in offensive stuff, right? And, and SMU is a very poor 107th. So the Bearcats are not going to have any resistance running the ball. And uh, I just, I'm having a problem trusting SMU with my money. Maybe I'll come around by the time the weekend comes, but they make me nervous uh, in, in spots like this. And, and we'll see. Well, I will be on SMU. I think the game's at noon. So good luck to us if you join me. Um, all right, let BYU at Liberty. Liberty, Liberty, Liberty. BYU, weird game here. This is like the religious bowl. It's the evangelicals versus the Mormons. BYU coming off back-to-back losses here where their defense got embarrassed. Arkansas put up 644 yards, and the defensive coordinator came out and said, obviously when you have games like Arkansas, from top to bottom, you got to look at who's doing what, what role you're asked to do, or are you going to change your role? So the word is that there might be changes to the BYU defense. Uh, we'll see what it does. Look, Liberty, one loss on the year. Their schedule's usually weak, but, like, they lost by one at Wake. They won by 14 at Old Dominion. That looks better. They beat UAB. They get lucky with turnovers. They, have, they lead the nation in takeaways at 18, for what it's worth. Um, but then last week, they have to come back to beat Gardner-Webb at home by one. Why? Well, they have some injuries at receiver, but Bennett, the kid Bennett started a quarterback. He's awful for Liberty, like enormous downgrade. He's a clown. I'm sure he's a nice kid, but the quarterback is not as strong as he for right now. Their other two quarterback options are much better, but I don't know if Salter's going to play. He had groin surgery, and Charlie Brewer, he's back. He's, he was practicing over the past week or so, but not confirmed in. And then, like I mentioned, they have some receiver issues, but it's just so big to me, like who's going to start a quarterback for them? So I can't really make a play without knowing that. But BYU travels to Liberty here. Do you, do you have anything here? Well, this game is complete lunacy. Like Hugh Freeze coming out and getting biblical on everybody. Like he didn't come out and like quote the book of Chronicles chapter 28. But there's some real like David Solomon shit going on here. Like the vision of Dr. Jerry Falwell Sr. is to establish Liberty as a world-class university. My father's vision for Liberty University was to found a world-class Christian university that would be for evangelical young people what Notre Dame is for Catholic young people and what Brigham Young is for Mormon young people. You Isn't know. he banned from campus, Falwell? <laughs> yeah, I think so. And maybe Junior is. Uh, so I, the whole thing is like there's a whole David giving his son Solomon the plans for the temple like that happened in the Bible and Chronicles. Like, Hugh Freeze thinks that he's Solomon, and by getting BYU to come play a football game on campus means that he has finalized the temple in the vision of Dr. Jerry Falwell Sr. Students at Liberty University, I tell them, you're the hope for this country, and your mission is to save America, and we're going to help you win. Gosh, when is Hugh Freeze coming to the SEC? We need this kind of shit back down in the South. So listen, for Kalani Sataki, he's like trying to survive a fan base right now that is really pissed off. Uh, his defensive coordinator was getting yelled at, uh, walking off the field, uh, asking for his head to be fired. Uh, a really bad defensive performance, but stuck you and I have been fading the BYU defense all year. Like the fact that they were able to cover BB uh, Baylor and we saw them just get destroyed against Bo Nix. We've known that this defense has been a fade all season long. And Arkansas added that the defense is bottom 10 in numerous 
uh, categories. And Sataki has said, I'm not replacing my coordinator, but I'm definitely going to be more involved with the defense. I don't know if that equals improvement. Uh, so this Liberty offense has been really bad at creating quality drives, scoring opportunities, and just not being able to take advantage of, of the issues that they're going to have with BYU's defense. So for me, this is an underplay. I projected at 55, so there's not that much of an edge off 57 and a half. And it's definitely low volume. But I expect a better effort out of the BYU defense, considering Sataki's name is now in charge of the defense. And this Liberty offense with their quarterback play, lots of injuries on the targets. Uh, give me an under here for all that is holy in the book of Chronicles. Uh, get, I'll, tell, I'll go under 57 down to 55. I've said to these young people repeatedly, and I say it again, you are the hope of America. When you leave the graduation platform of Liberty, I want you to leave it running. Leave it running with a vision burning in your soul. Yeah, yeah. Fall, Fallwell Sr. is dead. Fallwell Jr., yeah, he's banned from – he, he sued the university for $10 million. The university sued him. Wild stuff. This Crazy is a game. biblical game for Hugh Freeze. You don't cuss. You don't drink. So what are your vices? I have been known to uh, to chew a bit of tobacco when I get a little tired or watching film. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's move on to our next game before we say something that we'll get in trouble for. Um, <laughs> Mississippi State at Alabama. Um, we're not going to spend too much time on this, but Alabama 21-point favorite. Number says Miss State. I won't play Miss State. Um, I make this 13 and a half. But I, I, Alabama, I think Saban is 8-0 against the spread after his last eight straight-up losses. Mississippi State's run defense has issues. We talked about that last week with Kentucky, against Kentucky and against everyone they've played. Angry Bama off of a loss. Angry Saban. Why did you push yourself? And they've just – he's Saban has dominated this series the past two years. They've just completely shut down Mississippi State's offense. Now, I still think Bama has issues. It's one of the reasons I was on them last week. Like, they're secondary. Getting toasted all day. Uh Hyatt just scored another touchdown, and the receivers leave a little bit to be desired still. I mean, Bryce Young is amazing, but um, yeah, I I can't. I mean, the receivers maybe, maybe I'll one. the receivers minus one is what you mean, minus Burton, Jermaine Burton now. Yeah, well, by the way, what if Tennessee had one of the best receivers in the country last week? Imagine that. Uh, who didn't play? Yeah, maybe after a couple of drinks, I'll fire Leach for couch change, but because there is value in it, but I can't. I did it last year. I said there's value in this number, and they were down 35 nothing out of the gates. Well, we said this against Texas A&M, right? We said the number is absolutely god-awful. 24 is way too much, and then Texas A&M went on to almost beat them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so it's like we keep getting these obnoxious numbers that don't align with our power ratings, and then we have to side with, what, a Mississippi State team that has scored nine points in the last eight quarters against Nick Saban. It's just, it's a very, very bad matchup. For me, this is an under all the way. Uh, Nick Saban has said there's a philosophical approach to attacking defenses. For Miss State, you're doing that on the ground. This game screams Jalen Milrow. It doesn't even scream like Bryce Young trying to take shots. Uh, Jermaine Burton's not there after his little incident of hitting a a, a Tennessee fan in the head. Uh, It's all on our TikTok. Uh, You know, and do we know if Alabama is even capable of having an explosive air attack? And do they really want to test that out here? So, you know, the limitation has been Mike Leach's offenses against Saban defenses, and I don't think there's going to be a lot of scoring from either of these teams. Now, if Jalen Milrow comes into the game, I could be entertained into a live game over, but it's 61, 60, anything above 59. I'm going to take an under here because Mississippi State has proven they cannot score against an Alabama Saban-led defense, 
And throwing the ball is not really the formula for beating Mississippi State. You got to go ground and run. So that means under. Uh, speaking of flying objects, Penn State, who was throwing their players were throwing peanut butter and jelly sandwiches at Michigan during halftime after getting absolutely dominated and embarrassed in Ann Arbor. I think they were outgained by 320 yards. Uh, that was the easiest live bet I've ever made in my life. It was like Michigan minus four and a half, despite having right after the pick six. I was I was texting a friend. I was like, what? He's like, should we hit Michigan minus seven and a half live? It was like 18 to one first downs. And yeah. I'm like, uh, let's wait. Let's wait to see if stuff that happens here. Soon as I said that, pick six minus four and a half live, which then just started taking off. I mean, it was just complete domination from start to finish. Penn State was exposed. They're taking on a, they're hosting a Minnesota team who's lost two straight. Both of these teams, like seasons are pretty much over for what they wanted to do. It's like who shows up here, who gets up off the mat, I think is a serious question. Also, who's going to play quarterback for both each team? You also have Minnesota's offensive coordinator. Was at Penn State? There's a lot of questions here. I, I do know that Ibrahim, their running back for Minnesota, is back, and Minnesota, who is a snail, is going to pound him. They have a huge offensive line, and Penn State, outside of Mustafa, is small on the defensive line, and they can be run on. And I'm assuming that's the formula for Minnesota. I don't know if it's, it's probably going to be this this Greek kid, this Greek kid from Chicago who hasn't started a game since 2019 in high school. His 2020 high school season got canceled due to COVID. And last year he redshirted. Last week he came in and like was like four of 12 with two picks <clears throat> against Illinois. So I, And I don't know how much you could trust him to throw it. Tanner Morgan has been throwing it well. So I think it's just like line up, run, Ibram all day. This might be an under. And uh, Penn State's offense is broken. They just have no explosiveness. The right tackle's an issue. Clifford's not playing well. Their run stats are misleading. Um, I don't know who you're going to get a quarterback for either of these teams, but I would maybe lean Minnesota, lean under. A lot of uncertainty still midweek. Any thoughts? Yeah, Sean Clifford has been practicing, uh, I think, today and yesterday. So he is. But he might be like a healthy scratch, though. (laughs) I would make him a healthy scratch. Uh, Yeah, like like Franco might be like, let's go with Aller, you know? Yeah, I mean, they've been asking for the fan base, the donors, uh, everybody's been asking for a change here, anyways. Uh, To me, this is Minnesota all the way. Uh, I debated making them the uh, money line underdog parlay here, but I did not go with someone else. We'll talk about that later. But a very clean call uh, on Michigan and their ground attack to run Penn State up a flagpole is exactly what happened last week. And Minnesota can absolutely do the same. Mo Ibrahim, 4.7 yards after contact. Penn State's going to have to bring a sack lunch, especially for the backups. Bryce Williams and Trey Potts, they both average more then three yards after contact, and they both created a combined 24 missed tackles. Manny Diaz is – they've made some good numbers on defense, but they're 113th in tackling. You're not going to be able to bring down Ibrahim, Bryce Williams, and Trey Potts with arm tackles. It's just not going to happen against this Minnesota offense. Listen, Minnesota runs at 31 seconds per play. It's going to be a run fest. If Sean Clifford plays, that's going to turn into turnover-worthy plays. Uh, in favor of Minnesota, I like Minnesota, not just cover, upset, give me it all with the Gophers here. All right, uh, another game I wanted to cover here. Cal hosting Washington. Cal, seven-and-a-half-point home dog. Uh, love, I love Cal here in this spot. This is a great buy-low spot after they lost to Colorado. I was on Colorado on this podcast. I said I wouldn't be shocked if Colorado won the game outright, and they did. So I wasn't surprised by that result. What does Cal do? 
They're inconsistent. And what do they do under Wilcox? They play up and down to every single opponent. And by the way, this is the third time in the Justin Wilcox era over the past five years that they've lost to a team that has started 0-5 or worse. They lost, In 2018, they lost to 0-5 UCLA by 30. In 2021, last year, they lost to 0-8 Arizona, 10-3. What did they do the next week? Did they bounce back? Well, 2018, they won at Oregon State by 42. 2021, after losing to Arizona, they went to Stanford and they won by 30. And just to hammer my point home of how Wilcox's teams play up and down, he's 22-9-1 against the spread as an underdog. 22-9-1, covering by five points per game. 16-3 against the spread when he's catching seven or more points. 16-3, and three, that's and 6-0 and oh at home. On the flip side, he's 8-15-1 against the spread as a favorite. Trends in a vacuum are meaningless, but... This I'm using this to explain that Cal plays up and down to everyone under Wilcox. They always have. They'll always lose to shitty teams, and then they'll keep it close against good teams. So, you know, there's a lot of trends that, you know, teams that lose as two-plus touchdown favorites that are now uh, home dogs of seven or more in, in conference are like 62% of the past 30 years. But, you know, look, they have a West Coast offense that kind of gets stuck in the mud. It's it's ugly with Plummer. They really miss the legs and mobility of, of Garbers, but – this Washington defense is bad. So it's like bad offense versus bad defense. And then good, de- good decal is a good defense. Good defense versus really good offense. And I just don't think that Washington's defense, which is reeling, should be a seven and a half point favorite here. They played two road games this year. They lost outright to Arizona State as two touchdown favorites. And they lost outright to UCLA as a field goal favorite. They gave up 40 in each. This is just a play-up, bounce-back spot for Cal. Give me the Bears. That's amazing, all those Justin Wilcox trends that you put out there. It's like we got another Tom Herman on our hand. Tom Herman is actually doing pretty good on on doing uh, color commentary in some of these games. He's actually a pretty cerebral mind. I, I wouldn't have thought it. I like him. Yeah. He's been I like listening to him. Well, let me back up. Uh, that, that's a, a really upset and dejected locker room. I mean, we had guys in tears. That means we're headed in the right direction. I think the thing that I'll add in here is that Washington is, you mentioned it, lost on the road, absolutely completely lost. And they're even more lost on the defensive side of the ball. Washington is allowing everyone to run through them on defense. We might be the only ones with a, with, with an underdog ticket here, uh, money line. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if it fits in, but definitely Cal plus seven and a half here. All right, let's move on to rapid fire. Colin, we'll do five games, maybe six. You just give a sentence or two. And uh, I'll respond. North Texas at UTSA. Big, big game in Conference USA. Uh, UTSA 10-point favorite here over under 72.5. Look, the, the Ds are bad. Um, the pass D, especially for UTSA, both. And the offense has been great. That's why this total is 72.5. What's the play here? Uh, UTSA is going to cover the 10. You're right. Both defenses are bad, but <laughs> North Texas – is especially bad in every single area. Frank Harris is going to cook. If I was running a fantasy team, he would be my quarterback this week. Toledo at Buffalo. One thing that I was surprised about is Buffalo's run D has been pretty good, which will help here. But Toledo's getting its pass game going. Finn, Bitcoin Finn has been amazing. And this Buffalo team, I think, is a little bit of a paper tiger. And now they're going up against by far the best defense in the MAC. Thoughts here? Toledo getting down like 28 to seven to, to Kent 
and then you blink and they're up by like 14. That really opened up my eyes to the fact that this Toledo offense is maybe the most explosive in the nation, especially from a rushing perspective. And that's where they're going to be able to absolutely blow Buffalo out of the water. Buffalo does not handle explosive offenses very well. They have one of the lowest strength of schedules in the nation. Uh, Toledo is going to be able to get points up quick. They're not going to have sustained drives, but I've got Toledo minus seven. It's a juice minus seven. I can see that there is a minus 115 out there. I would try to get that minus seven. I think I'd make it nine. So yeah, Toledo all the way here. Too much explosiveness from the Rockets. Sky Rockets in flight. Weather doesn't look like it's going to be a factor here. It would be if they play the die. Reminder, it's fall. You always want to check the wind. Memphis at Tulane. This is a, our Tulane boys, this is a brutal, brutal spot for Memphis. I mean, you lose, you lose at Houston up two scores, like a minute to go. You lose on an onside kick in the final seconds. You're up three scores in the second, in the fourth quarter. Then you're up three scores again at ECU and you end up losing in four overtimes. Uh, And then now you got to go to Tulane and pick yourselves up uh, for what it's worth since arriving at Tulane in 2016, Willie Fritz 27, 11 and one against the spread at home. No other coach has been more profitable at home or that span 27, 11 and one. I was shocked. He's doing something right at home or everyone is partying when they go to play Tulane, but Tulane has been amazing at home. Tough spot for Memphis. What do you see here? If you've not tailgated at Yuleman and had some crawfish, it's like the best thing ever. I love New Orleans, but my body can only take it once every 10 years. Listen, if you're going to go up against Memphis, you're going to have to have a good pass D because that's what Seth Hennigan does. He is, this is a very good passing team. Tulane has the goods on defense. They're seventh in the nation in coverage. Awesome. Tulane is perfectly built to defend. Uh, and they have too many athletes on offense for this Memphis defense to try to keep up. That Memphis defense doesn't generate any havoc. They can't stop the pass. So, yeah, wave, give green wave all the way. ULM at Army. Army sat eight starters last week. I think and they said because of injury, like every important starter. I assume it was just because, like, let's get them rest and they're, we're playing Colgate. Uh, Army, six and a half, seven point favorite, or over under 55 and a half. Any quick thoughts? Yeah, I took ULM at seven. I'd probably take it again at six and a half. I'm not proud uh, taking a Sunbelt team like this on the road. Uh, but with Tyler, uh, Tyler to hear uh, the quarterback for Army uh, dealing with, I believe, an ankle injury, not sure if he's going to play. You have to have a quarterback that knows how to run this offense to get the Army. The Army's offense is just broken when they do not have a quarterback that can run the triple. When you look at ULM, 16th defensively in stuff rate, they have a much better strength of schedule than Army. Uh, that tells me they're going to be able to plug the A, B, and C gap and hold contain and and stop this triple. So I, I'm on ULM on the uh, on the uh, uh, dog train. I, I'm not going to do an underdog parlay with them. I'm not taking a Sunbelt team named ULM on the road uh, to win a game outright, but uh, they have the goods on defense to clog up Army's triple. Uh, hard pass for me. Uh, Kansas at Baylor. Baylor nine and a half point favorite. It looks like Shapin is going to practice, is practicing and is good to go. I didn't think he had a shot to play this week. And he is an amazingly accurate quarterback when he's kept clean. He'll be kept clean here against Kansas's defense. And uh, Baylor, look, I was down on them and then I dug into them today. Really, I mean, they might be the best three and three team ever. Uh, they had three unlucky losses. Like they outplayed Oak State. They really should have beat West Virginia. I was on West Virginia. 
got really unlucky there. And then, you know, a, couple, a field goal, one of a million field goals goes where they, they win at BYU. Um, so they could easily be 6-0 and here. Uh, can't, I, this is Baylor or nothing for me. You agree? Oh, yeah, I hit Baylor earlier today. Uh, once the news came out that Shapin is in practice, feeling good, looking good, uh, a lot of positive energy coming out of Blake Shapin from the practice reports. So I hit that at nine and a half. Those are starting to disappear in 10. So if you're listening to this late Thursday, Friday morning, and you see a nine and a half scoop it, I make it 11 and a half. So I still would play it at 10, at 10 and a half and 11. And then you're dealing with coaches that are trying to cut leads to 11. Uh, so uh, I'd be cautious there, but uh, yeah, Baylor all the way for me. This Kansas defense is getting worse. 117th in defensive havoc. Usually on Tuesdays, I'll put out like a graphic chart, an XY chart that shows like success rate and finishing drives. Crazy enough, Baylor has the best XY access of offensive success rate and offensive finishing drives out of all the teams in the Big 12 because there's this big search, like who's going to win the Big 12? Baylor has the best mixture. Uh, And so I believe in Blake Shapin, and and I'm going to back him here at this number. I would buy it all the way up to 11. Uh, One sentence on Boise Air Force. Taylor Green is going to get stopped. Air Force is better in the trench. Uh, they're going to win, but I'm not taking two. I think Air Force is going to win two. They've, they've had a lot of injuries, and they should be the healthiest they've been all year this year. Boise's rush defense wasn't what I thought it would be either. You know, uh, So I, that's they've fallen outside the top 40 in defensive finishing drives, and the rush defense is 53rd in stuff rate. So I, it, that shocked me. I thought Boise's defense was just as good – at plugging the trench as Air Force was, but it's actually not true. So Air Force, but don't don't ask me about two and a half or two. That it gets scary then. All right. Uh, before we get to some trash, I'm gonna remind everyone to make sure you check out the group of five guys off back to back sweeps. They've been killing it. Their episode comes out the day before us, same feed. Uh usually like a half hour, 35 minutes. So make sure you check them out. You'll become smarter. All right, it's time. Stick of the week. Let's take out some trash. Mm, what's that smell? It stinks. What do you mean? This trash. The sweet, sweet trash. The trash is a gold mine. Gold mine. Gold mine. Everyone is loving these because I've been on fire and I've said many times all it takes is one 0 and 5 week and you will not be loving these, suffering through these games, but I'll still be doing it. It's not for everyone though. Um, but I've never gotten more messages like, I love all these bad teams. I'm like, yeah, so do I when they're covering, but it's not all roses all the time. But hopefully it, it can stay that way this year. Uh, all right, first one, Temple. Yep, they gave up 70. We bet them last week. We're betting them again. Friday night, Al Gifts, plus 13 against Tulsa. Their pasty's been great. Top 40 EPA per pass. That's all Tulsa does. Temple also top five sack rate nationally. They can get after the quarterback. A couple good defensive ends. Tulsa offensive line, 117th in sack rate. Brynn will be hit. They will have some negative plays here. Their pasty's been good. Tulsa can't run the ball. Cannot run the ball at all, and they don't really try to run the ball. And then Tulsa's defense is awful, awful, especially the defensive line. Tulsa gets no pressure. Temple covers. We're back to the Alice. Agree or disagree? Friday what, night, by the way. Are you back involved with the Philly mob? Like, why are you on this Temple team all the time? No, no. This the is only the second time. It should be 15. No, I'm out. Pick another one. Go to the trash again. Well, I'm, I'm on it. Al's Al gifts. You won't be partaking. You'll be jealous. FIU at Charlotte. Uh, Charlotte minus 14 now. I'm just waiting for 14. This is Charlotte get right game. Reynolds is healthy against a trash FIU team. I don't even know if all pads. FIU also plays fast and throws a ton. What does that mean? Lots of possessions. Lots of opportunity to get blown out. They lost by 29 at Texas State. They lost 73-0 at Western Kentucky. 
19 at home to UConn, and 20 at home to UTSA. Tyrese Chambers is their best player and only player. He had 200 yards receiving and two touchdowns against Charlotte last year. Charlotte won 45-33. FIU was better, by the way. He's a game-time decision. He is their best player. So if he doesn't play, this is a banger. But even if he does, Charlotte wins by two touchdowns or more. Yeah, I'm going to join you, but I'm going to hold out for 14. Uh, it yep, did same. 14, hit 14 in one of the sharpest books for nine minutes, and then it left 14. I will join you there. The number is about six points too short, and you're right. This is a get healthy game against a horrendous Florida international defense. Vandy at Missouri. Uh, I took Vandy. Too many points uh, against Missouri. Missouri's offense is bad. Vandy's improved. Like They just get athletically overwhelmed by like the Georgias and Alabamas. But we saw them against Ole Miss. They were right there with them. This Missouri team isn't really built to blow out anybody. Uh, it's a bad Missouri O versus a bad Vandy D. And then it's an improved Vandy O versus a Missouri D that's grading out very well. Lower scoring game. I kind of like the under here. And the under is taking a lot of money. That favors the dog. Vandy's played Ole Miss, Wake Forest, Georgia, and Alabama already. Like, yeah, it's been tough. They, But they can – this will be more their speed. I think they can hang around here. Well, Vanderbilt is well coached. They're second in the nation in tackle grading. And believe it or not, their offense is 20th in finishing drive. So they have made improvements. I'm not sure they're going to be a nationally known program like Clark Lee wants them to be, like he said at SEC Media Days. We know that in time, Vanderbilt football will be the best program in the country. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of good things going on here as to where Missouri's kind of headed in the other direction. The under, I think, still has room to run. I projected it 47. Uh, the side is at 15, so I'll let you have the Vandy, but I will play an under with you. Do, do, do. We got one more. We're going to go Hawaii. Hawaii plus five at Colorado State. I don't think that the market knows that Hawaii is improving. And, you know, their defense just held. They lost by the last second at San Diego State, and then they blew out Nevada. They held both teams to under 17 points. And you would expect Hawaii to improve. Like, it was a complete rebuild for a new coach. The biggest thing that they've done is they went away from Joey Yellen at quarterback. And now it is all Shager getting all the snaps. Ready? Here are the difference between the two. Yellen, 40 of 87, 46%. 3.7 yards per attempt. Zero touchdowns, two interceptions. 72 rating. Shager? 96 of 167, 58% compared to 46, 1,028 yards, 6.2 yards per attempt compared to 3.7 for Yellen, three touchdowns, five interceptions, 109 rating. Night and day. I don't know why they were trying to keep going with Yellen. The offense is better. Colorado State's offense is still completely broken. I don't care if Clay Millen comes back this week. Every team has figured out you just double Horton. That's it. And then their offense is broken. Yes, they won at Nevada. Hawaii just blew out Nevada, by the way. Colorado State won in Nevada, and I was on them. They had two defensive touchdowns to get to 14 points. And then they needed three do-over field goals to win the game. Then last week, they play Utah State. It's close. They lose to a fourth-string emergency quarterback. And you got dominated statistically. This team is horrendous. You cannot bet them as a favorite. Hawaii, Bows. I'm going to be against you here now. And I think what you're laying points at Colorado State. And I like, yeah, I know. And I actually like Hawaii. I mean, 
I needed Nevada what? under five on the season, and Hawaii won as an underdog last week. I couldn't be happier with that, but there's something about that aspect of this game that really bothers me, and it's the elevation. So Hawaii has come over three times to the States to play games, and when they played Michigan and <clears throat> they played San Diego State, they covered, right? I mean, in San Diego State, they should have won that game outright, uh, lost by just two points. But when they went and they played New Mexico State and Las Cruces with an elevation of 4,000 feet, they got stomped. I believe this is the highest elevation that we have in all of FBF, maybe Wyoming. Wyoming's got to beat, but Wyoming, uh, Wyoming. Yeah. So, I mean, this is still a really high elevation and that aspect makes me nervous when you are on the Island and your elevation is literally zero and you're going to travel all the way into Colorado and then play at that kind of elevation when there's history here where New Mexico state had a lot of success against you. Uh, that makes me nervous. So, um, you know, I'll dig a little bit more. No, I'm not. You're I, I, the main. You're the main trash man. You're going to lay points at Colorado State. That's hey, even trashier than trash. I, somehow, I make this Colorado State minus nine. Oh, and I'm on the white. Go back and look. They lost at home to a four-string emergency developmental quarterback last week. Yeah, this I is dare good. you. I dare you to bet that and put that in the app. I'm gonna bet it now at five. All right, put it in. Time for we've covered 25 games already. You won't find us anywhere else, any other podcast. This is why we don't sleep for days. San Diego State, Collins, time for your total. You had a bye last week. Yeah. You're hot. You've won one in a row after losing five in a row. Our callers who live for this, uh, you get one minute. San Diego State at Nevada. I don't even know what the over-under is. What is it, like 32? It's, like, it's, 30, it's 36, right? But we're going to go <laughs> under here. And uh, I think the one reason I'm going to do an under on San Diego State, even at 36, I see a 35 and a half out there. For some reason, Jeff Heklinski has Braxton Burmeister lining up at wide receiver and fielding passes in practice at wide receiver. Deep is this ball. the vertical offense that you're I, talking about? It's electric and it's vertical. Something is planned up his sleeve, and I think maybe I've learned enough that when you take your primary quarterback who's at his third university and you move him out to wide receiver, something deeply disturbing is going on with this program at the quarterback position. So I'm going to take an under this week for everybody out there. I'll be under San Diego state, Nevada, 36. There it is over in Nevada. That's miserable. All right. Before we get out of here, we have one more final order of business. Let's go three and out. One, two, three. Let's make it a quick three and out. All right. First down uh, favorite bet. I'm going to go with ECU. Back to my boys who have just treated me very well this year. I'm betting on Holton Allers, who's on fire. That's got to be the best part I've ever seen. So it would seem. This is the time to fade UCF. Yeah, scored 70 on Temple last week. They have Cincy on deck, which is a huge game in the conference. Now you're going on your, you're leaving the state for the first time. You're playing in your first real environment for the first time. You're not playing in the bounce house, beating up on Little Temple. And what does UCF, they're, you know, they have a great RPO offense with Plumley at quarterback. But if you take away his running ability and UCF's running ability, the offense goes into a shell because he can't pass consistently. And look, they rank in the top 20 in yards per carry, EPA per rush, rush success rate. Well, ECU's run defense ranks in the top 20 in all three categories. Their run defense has been awesome this year. Look back at that Louisville game. Once they took away Plumlee's ability to run, the offense was non-existent. So, yeah, I think this is a great spot here. Pirates' weakness is their secondary. I don't think Plumlee can really exploit it. And uh, I think Holden Arrows will have plenty of time to throw here, pick apart UCF, because UCF doesn't really generate pressure this year. 
and Holton's been shredding. We're going ECU at home. Yeah, I'm going to pivot over to the Oklahoma State-Texas game, and it's kind of a two-parter, right? Oklahoma State at six and a half is way too high. That's already assuming that Spencer Sanders is not in this game. The real true number on this game should be Texas minus one. I expect when we find out that Spencer Sanders is playing in this game, there'll be some buyback down to about four and a half, giving value into the current number in the market. But Texas is going to roll here. Oklahoma State is playing terrible defense. It just hasn't been exposed. So uh, as a best bet, play the Oklahoma State early. Maybe catch it live after the tour all shot on Spencer Sanders wears off at halftime uh, and look for Texas to go over 32 and a half points. All right. Second down, our favorite overdog. This is our favorite favorite. I am going to go with LSU, small home favorite. Like them up to minus, I like them anything below minus three. Mitch talked about this game earlier. I think Ole Miss is a fraud. LSU's had the much tougher schedule. I think they'll control the line of scrimmage. This has it all. This is time for Ole Miss to eat their medicine. As I mentioned earlier, as an underdog or favorite of three or fewer points, Brian Kelly is 36-14-2 against the spread, 72% most profitable coach over the past 20 years with those parameters. LSU takes care of business in Death Valley. Go Tigers. Yeah, I'm going to do Maryland as my favorite overdog. It's a huge number, uh, teetering around 13 and a half, 14. The reason why it's so low is because the discount is coming from quarterback Talia Tagovailoa. We don't know if he's going to be available for this game. Behind him is Billy Edwards Jr. Two TD passes this year. Uh, this could be revenge for Mike Loxley. Last time he faced Pat Fitzgerald, he was drummed 43 to three in the pandemic season of 2020. And there's really no advantage for Pat Fitzgerald off of a bye week since 2010. He's barely above 500 against the spread. Northwestern is 130th in coverage. They are not good against passing offenses whatsoever. And that's what Maryland is, despite who's playing quarterback. It's just the scheme that Loxley wants to run. Considering there's a monster gap in finishing drives here, give me Maryland to cover a large number and expect a lot of steam on Saturday morning if Tagovailoa is confirmed for this game. All right, let's move on to our our favorite money line underdog. Turning good weekends into great weekends. It's time for the money line parlay. Last week we swept again, second time in three weeks. We're getting hot. I had LSU and you had Bowling Green. Uh, this week, this I'm going to go with South Carolina against, this is one of my favorite bets too, against Texas A&M. I think South Carolina is extremely underrated in the market because I've mentioned this many times. Their defensive injuries earlier in the year, they had about up to eight starters out against Arkansas and, and they're early in the SEC schedule. So defensive numbers are artificially low. They're very healthy now. They basically had a two-week bye. They played Charlotte and South Carolina State before Kentucky. It's the best they looked all year. Now they get another bye before Texas A&M. And for what it's worth, Shane Beamer, 3-0 against the spread, 3-0 straight up. After a bye, he beat Florida outright as 17.5-point underdogs last year. I think they won by 50. Beat Kentucky, that was last week, as four or five point underdogs. And then in the bowl game, with the wide receivers playing quarterback, he won outright as 12.5-point underdogs. I actually make South Carolina a small favorite. I think Texas A&M is a fraud. What have they done this year? They lost to App State at home. They hung with Bama as backup, who just tried to give them a million turnovers. Here, 
here they got trucked by Mississippi State, which looks worse. Their two wins against Miami and Arkansas, they should have lost both. Uh, this team is lost. I don't even know who's going to play quarterback. They might go with the freshman. And look, the Texas A&M defense cannot stop the run. Their defense is not playing well up front. South Carolina has one of the most underrated rushing attacks in the country. Marshawn Lloyd is a stud. Uh, I mean, look, the Aggies are outside the top 100 in line yards, opportunity rate. South Carolina ranks top 30 in EPA per rush, rush success rate. Lloyd's going to have a big day here. It's also maybe a sleepy spot right now. I'm going to South Carolina. Bright, you know, Williams Bryce will be popping. Texas A&M is Ole Miss next week. Their, their season's already over based on their goals. This is a big game for South Carolina, team trending up. I like South Carolina to get this done at home. Yeah, I'm going to return back to Maction. I'm going to take Ohio. Uh, <laughs> going to pull it off here for us. Uh, another big Mac win. Uh, let's go ahead. Well, this get- is like last week. I'm going SEC and you're going Mac. Yeah, except I'm this going. Very against- weird. It should be it's usually the opposite. Uh, I'm going up against our dreaded, hated Northern Illinois Thomas Hammock, uh, Rocky Lombardi combination here. But the Bobcats are 38th in defensive stuff rate. And that is a must-have when Rocky Lombardi has returned to quarterback for NIU. Uh, he runs a lot of zone read with Harrison Whaley and Ontario Brown. And Ohio, the fact that they can defend that and plug the A, B, and C gap and keep contained, they're going to be able to limit Northern Illinois in some of their offense. And Thomas Hammock loves to burn clock. He's a, he's a former running back coach, former running back himself. Uh, he's near 29 seconds per play for Northern Illinois. But Ohio has given up massive yards through the air and just and his limited ground attacks, believe it or not. Iowa State only had 24 rushing yards and 22 attempts against Ohio earlier this season. Curtis Rourke, quarterback for Ohio, he has 70% completion rate, a 14-3 to TD to INT ratio with one of the lowest turnover-worthy play rates of his three-year career since he's been at Ohio. And NIU's defense is 121st in coverage and 125th against pass explosiveness. Ohio is going to have a lot of success here against a slow grinding NIU offense that uh, doesn't really get points up fast. Uh, look for Curtis Rourke, a uh, little brother of Nathan Rourke, to get it done for the Bobs here uh, and, and put one in the hat for the this Mac East team against a Mac West team. There you have it. 30 games. We touched on 30 games. Uh, that was fun. I hope uh, we can stay hot, have another big weekend. Hope you took some good nuggets out of this and enjoyed the listen. We enjoy you guys, as always. Uh, thanks, as always, to Colin for joining me. Thanks, as always, to all of the people on the back end, uh, especially our producer, Matt Mitchell, Christina, and the video team, everyone on the back end that makes this possible. By the way, leave a review, five-star review. We do giveaways all the time. Uh, if we have one now, Mitchell, throw one out there. Thanks, Ducky. We got two winners today. We've got reviewer Gator Hater and reviewer C. Veltry. So, you two individuals, thank you so much for the five-star reviews. Email me at podcasts at actionnetwork.com to claim your prize. And merry bow next season to all those who celebrate. Make sure you subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe, tell a friend, tell an enemy. If you already left the review, take borrow your girlfriend's phone or your friend's phone and leave one. They help us out. 959 Bad Beat. We'll recap the weekend. We'll play your voicemails, call about anything, bitch out about us for being wrong, cry, yell, scream, whatever you need to do. I give cash prize to the best caller of the week every week. Big Bets on Campus live show, 10.30 a.m. Eastern, also presented by BetMGM. Yeah, this was fun. Let's keep it rolling. We'll catch you all Monday morning on the recap and on Twitter all weekend, live show, 10.30 a.m. Eastern Saturday. 
Catch y'all later. Cheers. He's out.